0: Hey y'all, it's Lexi Creary. Welcome back. Today we sit down with three absolute legends. Buckle up, it's a long one because we cover everything from granders in Lizard Island, secret fishing spots in the Keys, and unique perspectives in the fishing industry. So, with that, let's jump in. Today is crazy. We are going to have so much fun with this talk. The amount of knowledge and experience between the three people sitting in front of me right now is absolutely mind blowing. I am surrounded by master anglers and captains. Two of them are females who are setting the tone for what's to come for women in this industry. And then there's my favorite fishing legend of all time. Y'all call him Jeff Creary, I call him dad. So let me just go around the table and tell you. Who's in front of me right now. First, I have Debbie David. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's tell everyone who you are. Debbie is co-owner with husband Jimmy David of one of the most famous sport fishing charters, l If you haven't heard of them, which I highly doubt, they fish out of Crandon Marina in Miami. That's Key Biscayne, right? Key Biscayne, yep. All right. And like specifically on the dock, like tell me when you're going into Crandon, like where to find the boat.
1: Just go in and make your first right. (laughs) Can't miss them. Yeah. The charter boats.
0: All right. So at the end of this today, she will let you know how you can book a charter with them. And trust me, when you hear where this family has been, what they've accomplished, you're going to want to fish with them. What they've got. She's a mom of three, master angler, a captain's wife, and a business owner. So glad to have you here today, Debbie. All right. So next up, we have Jen Copeland. Anyone that knows Jen isn't surprised that I have a bet running if she can make it through this podcast without saying a curse word. <laughs> <laughs> y- y'all think she can do it?
1: No. <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> Probably Sorry, not. Sorry no. Jen. <laughs> It'll be interesting.
1: <laughs>
0: I'll take that as a no. That, that's a no. So, um, Not a bad thing. I, I hope you <laughs> prove us right because honestly, that Kentucky accent sounds great. <laughs> All right, so Jen... Unbelievable. I've known her since I was a little girl. The reason she has such a broad vocabulary is because she has fought her way to the top in the fishing world. Jen is one of the very few female sport fish captains, extremely respected in the industry, and was a private boat captain for one family for
1: how many years, Jen? 14 years. That's amazing.
2: Absolutely. she did a wonderful job.
0: 14 years.
1: Most yep. people can't hold a regular job that long.
0: Right? <laughs> like, Much less a captain's job. Yeah, especially in this <laughs> it's business, it's a, tough. So, absolutely. Seriously, I mean, that's a compliment itself. So, wow. Thank you. Now, you are the senior editor of Marlin Magazine and a Marlin University instructor, which Jen will explain what that is soon. If she's not working covering the latest tournament wins, she's actually out fishing in the pit these tournaments all over the world. Right, Jen? Yep. What'd you just fish? Uh,
3: the Jimmy Johnson tournament. No, and who'd you fish with? The Singularis.
0: Nice. And I saw you on the, you know, female board as usual. You were kicking ass. Thank you. I think, did I just break that bet? Mm, yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: you oh, did, man. congrats. Oh God, all right.
1: Well, pressure's off. <laughs> right. take the
0: kick. Now we're just taking tallies on like, on who's who's got the many curse words. All right. Well, I've personally been on the water with Jen since I was a little girl. How, how young was I when I first met you? Uh,
3: seven or eight, I think. Young.
0: I, I mean, my earliest memories on the water are spent with Jen in the Keys
3: doing a type of fishing that we call hog dogging. Did we come up with that name? No, I think that was, I'm not sure who came up with it. When I started doing it, it was already called that. That's funny, because I've totally claimed that. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, my family Oh, yeah, I us, made that up. Yeah, we made that up. So. Hold
1: on. What's hog dog? <laughs> right? I was just about
0: to say, I'm sure you're thinking, what the heck is that? Um, definitely because I thought I invented the word, but clearly I didn't. Um, you want to know about this, because it's how we catch giant hogfish. And today we're going to divulge our secret bait that we use, which I'm kind of sad about, but I feel like it's only right if we bring up hog-dogging, we got to tell people how to catch these hogs. And it's become hard to catch hogfish. It is hard. Very hard.
2: They've changed the limits from when we used to catch, I believe we could catch six or seven down to... One, I believe you said last night, Jen. One uh, or one or two.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure what it is check now. The rolls, the yeah. check, the check the rules, please. <laughs> yeah, check the rules. I think it was five per person when we went.
2: Yeah, I remember one day we caught 21.
0: Yeah, but we had all the appropriate people on the boat. Don't worry, um, and we all have fishing licenses. That's
3: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we do take that very seriously. And being from the Keys, you know, we take conservation really seriously. And it's just been one of my favorite memories. Like. When we tell you how we do this, you're going to be mind blown. So stay tuned for that, our hog dog talk. What a word. I'm still claiming it. (laughs) Anyways, and then there is my favorite fishing legend of all time, and that is my dad, Jeff Creary. He started out as a private sport fishing captain and fished all over the world. He then became HMY's company captain in 1987, where he won tournaments all over on HMY's demo boat. Until he decided to transition into selling boats with a company and has been doing that for how many years now, Dad? Thirty-three.
1: Dang. A long time too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think about this and you coincidentally joined the sales team right around when my sister Missy and I were born. And this man had three women in his house and even a female Yellow Lab dog. So (laughs) lots of Surrounded. estrogen outnumbered
3: <laughs>
2: totally outnumbered are any
0: of your families outnumbered
3: mine's about split dead even i
0: feel like debbie you're pretty even right yeah
3: we're yeah even. okay
0: this man completely outnumbered never yeah. stood a chance <laughs> <laughs> i hear kids are pretty expensive i wouldn't know but i think that we motivated that decision to move from the sport fishing captain into sales huh
2: Absolutely. <laughs> uh, he couldn't
0: keep up. He's, no, he's we, calling me expensive. I'm claiming it. I'm owning it.
2: No, they both went to college, and they uh, both have very successful careers today. And
0: AKA, thank God they got off my my uh, payroll. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I was sad to see that they both went to the University of Florida, because Florida, I went to Florida State, and uh, I thought for sure they would be garnet and gold, but...
0: Oh, we broke his heart. House divided. He used to say... And- You used to be over at my house, Jen. Uh, when I was in Florida State cheerleading outfits growing up, I was a diehard Florida State fan, and like there was no questions asked. Like I was going to Florida State, and then my older sister Misty, uh, who's three and a half years older than me, she went to UF and just devastated the family. Like, oh gosh,
4: (laughs) devastation.
0: And you know, I'm like, not only am I going to get in to UF, but I'm going to decline them and prove to you that I'm going to Florida State because, like, you know. I feel like you know there's a very prestigious, you know, surrounding on both of those colleges. You know, yeah. I'm like you know, so I talked a bunch of smack, and then I uh, couldn't back it up. I ended up at UF. <laughs> there you go. So my dad said my heart's at Florida State, and all my money's at UF.
2: <laughs> well, one great thing about colleges in the state of Florida is we have so many great choices. So you don't always have to go to the state schools to necessarily get a great education, but uh, definitely uh, Florida has some high criteria to attend college there and uh, turn out some great uh, collegiate people.
0: Yeah, I know that when we said there was a lot of estrogen in your house and how numbered you are though, that there's definitely some husbands and girl dads out there listening right now that probably raise their eyebrows because they can relate or because they feel sorry for you. I don't know which one.
3: <laughs> probably which, the latter. <laughs> I was gonna say, which one do you think?
0: Yeah, definitely that one. But uh, for those of you who don't know my dad, he currently holds the world record for the second largest black marlin ever caught. I want to hear this story from your perspective, behind the rod, how much that fish weigh, what was the fight like, and where you caught it. Tell us everything.
2: So at the time, I was working for Bob Sorensen, who I worked for for many, many years, and great family And Bob had bought a trip at the IGFA banquet, and the trip was to go to Lizard Island in Australia and fish the number 10 Ribbon Reef, which is the most famous and prominent place to catch 1,000-pound black marlins. And he bought a trip with uh, a boat called the Asagai, and the captain's name was Greg, but he had a nickname of of Mudguts. And oh, I'm uh, sorry. I'm
4: sorry. Or back muddy.
0: it up, back <laughs> it up, back it up, mud guts
2: <laughs> or That's muddy. A story. Uh, and uh, Can there
0: you, was- no, 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 you have to tell us about that. Do you know why?
2: No, no, it just there was You didn't this- ask
0: any questions, you just got on the boat with mud guts and you were ready to roll,
2: yeah. Well, and it and really they, they dummied it down or they shortened it just to muddy, uh, <laughs> probably for the obvious reasons of. What that might indicate but.
3: yeah, you didn't want to know okay yeah. <laughs> clearly that's way over my head,
2: okay All right. but then there was two other mates on the boat, uh because that's how they fish in Australia. they fish with a captain and two mates and, and mainly because of safety because we use all uh wire leaders, and uh if somebody were to get wrapped up in a leader that so they could uh cut the leader off and uh see that the guy didn't go overboard, plus the fish are extremely large there, and we went in October, is considered the prime time a year to go. we went right before uh they had the tournament and we had an extremely successful trip we caught 15 black marlin uh they only uh count the fish if you put a tag in the fish so i think that officially was 12 or 13 because we did wind up catching the one that um that i had caught uh and We said going into the trip, if we caught a thousand pounder, that we were going to have it mounted. And we fished for five days. Uh, The number 10 ribbon reef is about 45 minutes from the Lizard uh, Island Hotel. Uh, It's very similar to fishing in the Keys where you can see the reef. And I would say that the reef drops off fairly quickly. And just like we would traditionally uh, blue marlin fish, uh, we fished in a thousand to two thousand feet of water. Um, In October, what's really Interesting is the the that's a breeding time for the fish. So there was a day where it got really rough, and you could get up in the tower and you could see four or five black marlin following one female. Yeah. And so the so what we
0: had you ever seen that before? What no, was that like when you're no, staring at that?
2: No, and and these are these are fish that are you know five, six, seven hundred pounds. And I remember one of the uh, black marlin that we caught. It was just like watching like an ESPN uh, TV show where the thing came and jumped right behind the transom. And it, it, it couldn't have been more than 10 yards away from me. And I'm like, what? holy man, look at that. <laughs>
4: that's so, Good save, good save was, was,
3: was that just like awe-inspiring? <laughs> oh,
2: yes. And uh, I, I thought for sure, I'm like, I go, Muddy, that, that's gotta be a thousand pounder. And he goes, no, 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 mate, he's got nothing in the tail. I'm like, what? <laughs> so... So we let that one go, but it was definitely uh, in the 900-pound class. So we're towards the end of the trip. We've caught a lot. We've had a great time. We, we did some great video work. That's what I did primarily was take the videos. We only fished uh, two rods at a time because that's all they fished. They fished 130, real heavy tackle. They fish with a scad or scaly, which is a bait that looks very similar to the uh, mackerels that we use when we fish the Bahamas.
3: Is that what they call the mackerel tuna or mac tuna? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. And then uh, they rigged them like through the nose, like we've seen, like possibly in Hawaii and stuff like that, where you see the hook exposed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think it was the second to last day, and then we were we were done. Uh, Bob was tired that day, and he was sitting up on the bridge. And we never saw this fish hit. And he's like, Jeff, he goes, I'm tired. My my shoulder hurts. You catch this one. And so I jumped in. I'm like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. (laughs) So again, we didn't see the fish. It turned out to be in uh, almost exactly three hours. Uh, The fish put on a huge fight. He never jumped.
0: When you say fight, like obviously pull and drag, but you don't know what you have on the line and you guys are catching like you said, a ton of black marlin. Were you thinking that you had anything significant on the line at the moment?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we had the drag set at about 26, 28 pounds and I couldn't gain on the fish. And so we called it pushing the drag up the sunset. And then there was times that I uh, would put my hand on the reel to, to hold the spool as well because I was not gaining. No, gaining. Right. <laughs> yeah. no gain, I'll and lose. <laughs> As everybody knows, like fighting in a chair and stuff, the fish would pull you out of the chair, but you'd be strapped in with the um harness, the bu- the bucket we call it. Anyway, the, the fish comes up alongside the boat after three hours and uh Greg, Captain Greg or Muddy says, Oh, gaff it, gaff it, mate. That that's a that's a that's a nice one. So uh I think that was a Jamaican accent, not
3: Australian.
4: <laughs> I think that was
3: his best Aussie important yeah. impression. So, we appreciate
4: your effort. So
2: uh so we got a couple gaffes in it, and then uh, the next chapter was how do we get this thing in the boat?
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but like size wise, like how like, how big of a boat are you on? How
2: many feet? It was a forty six foot boat. It, the boat was actually built in Australia, and it had a marlin door. Uh, and we uh we pulled it around, and we uh got the head in the door, and we couldn't we physically couldn't pull it into the door. So fortunately we came up with an idea that the boat had a windlass to anchor the boat. So we ran a rope through the boat, through the salon door, all the way to the bow. We opened up the the forward hatch and we tied it to the windlass. And then we said, okay, turn it on. (laughs) And that's how we pulled this thing in the, in the cockpit. And again, the the video and the pictures I have, the fish is phenomenal. I mean, uh, it literally took up the whole cockpit. Uh, we were very fortunate that we didn't have any um, sharks um, that day. And what then, was the final weight? Uh, the fish weighed 1239. The largest ever caught before that was 1298. And uh, they no longer kill fish in uh, in Australia just because of the conservation part of it. Uh, the unfortunate thing is the fish is uh, very high in mercury. So... You, can't eat them so they don't have any real value which is kind of a shame uh, anyway when we got to uh, where we were tied up they they tie up on mooring balls there they don't um, there's no docks and stuff
1: was it mothership at the time? or no We there are motherships
2: it? but we didn't do any uh, ours just strictly went out of Lizard Island on a daily basis um, so uh, they have a little Boston whaler that comes out like a 13 foot Boston whaler with I don't know call it a 70 horsepower engine of some sort well they tie it to the fish and they pull them out the boat that way and then when you get it over to the um beach uh they have a uh you know like a front end loader right that picks this thing up right. and it everybody's gathered around because the captain called in and said hey we got this big fish that we're gonna weigh in and stuff like that
0: that's what i was gonna ask you is like are are these guys like the captain like on the VHF? radio like everyone get ready we're coming in hot with like a grander or are they just so used to this size of fish because like this is a world record like
2: yeah i, I don't i was think... there amount
0: of excitement that i'm visualizing in my head like were you guys screaming jumping up and down like
3: it's a world record right <laughs> no
2: no absolutely and uh so uh great point uh so the scale that they weigh the fish on they have a the announcer or the commentator mm-hmm. he has a microphone and uh you know he brings everybody in uh, this fish was caught aboard that's a guy with uh Captain Greg Edwards and crew Dana and and Luke Fallon and uh angler Jeff Curry and uh then they keep the suspense going while they weigh it and when it came out at 1239 and then they went into the story that it was the second largest ever caught there at Lizard Island uh it just made for a, for a great ending of the day and then uh one of the things that we did that was really interesting is we laid the fish down on the beach and we laid it down on the beach after we'd taken the regular shots with it uh hanging from the the way station uh so you could see the proportion of how big the fish was compared to the to the people that laid around it
3: i remember that picture well
2: yes and uh so today um i have the 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 bill that was mounted on a piece of coal wood uh because that was uh Uh, a thing that they did back there at Lizard Island that was special and then I have the tail at my house and of course all the memories and photos and videos and uh, just a spectacular trip.
3: What did you... Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What? How did you feel when you heard the final wait? Were you just like, oh my God, I cannot believe this. No,
2: absolutely. No, uh, we were all so excited. I mean... I was exhausted, but it's like when you have so much um, excitement, when you're exhausted, you don't even think about Adrenaline. it. Adrenaline, Adrenaline rush. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, uh, but yeah, we celebrated that night. We had a celebratory uh, dinner, and uh, they drink 4X beers. They're beer of choice, <laughs> and it's, a, it's in a yellow can, and it's got 4Xs on it. And I'm sure we had quite a few of those that day. I oh, bet uh, sure. uh, that's something to celebrate. Were the locals
0: stoked for you? Were they like so excited about this? Uh, absolutely.
2: So uh, Did you have
0: a crowd that came around when you hung this? Uh,
2: absolutely. And um it's it's a very interesting place, Lizard Island. Like when you go in to the uh hotel itself it has like a a lounge like a library Mm -hmm. where they have all these pictures of all these big fish that have been caught there and again they were they were leading up to their biggest week because they were leading up to the tournament and that's where we got the idea of the co-award uh because uh we had seen some bills mounted in there and and we actually this bill was polished uh just beginning to make it a little bit different Mm. uh so uh but no the the trip home was uh was great. Uh uh just on a you know, small note is every time I've kind of traveled somewhere I've always kind of done something unique for the family. Uh went into Sydney and uh I bought Lexi's mom, uh uh an opal uh from there and then this same family had taken me to uh Africa and uh so after that we went to Africa and we went hunting and stuff like that, we uh we went into Tanzania, which is where we flew in, and I bought a Tanzanite and hand tonight's gone through the roof
3: <laughs> as he's saying this. yeah and lexi's wearing both pieces yes i was just showcasing <laughs> so, on my left hand um, so
2: again those are the yeah. things that i always remember about the trip is uh
3: was that the last day the the
2: second th- the last day that uh, we, we caught that fish how and how many uh, days did you fish we fished five five days yeah then. we were there for uh for like seven because it takes like 21 hours to fly yeah, to australia yeah, you, you fly to California and then you fly from there. Uh and they actually have a big clientele base of people that come out of Hawaii and, and come out of uh um Japan and stuff so, like that. On the explosive. conservation
1: front, was it Jay Hook or Circle Hook back then?
2: Uh it was Jay Hook. Jay Hooks. Yeah, I don't believe Circle Hooks had uh come into play in nineteen ninety two yet. Um so it it was a it was a great trip and the and the video is, is tremendous because we all know if you catch a five or six hundred pound blue marlin that was a tremendous fish, right? Well, we have lots of those, but they're black marlin because they typically run larger. So,
3: what a memory! Yeah. What I can't
0: help but think about is though is I'm picturing this, and I'm like, okay, you're on a trip with your boss. You're just lucky to be invited. Like he's got this great boss that's <laughs> and like when he I come gets on vacation. the record, <laughs> <laughs> right? Is that not in your like mind, like in the forefront of your mind when you're picturing this? Because well, I'm thinking when you're flying home,
3: going, am I, I going to get fired? Right? When I get <laughs> <it?"> I'm <laughs> thinking,
0: oh crap! Like the one and like. So I remember like as a child, you know, like I knew this story, but as I got older, I was like, dad, like, did you ever have like words with Bob about that? Like, is there anything? he's like, no, he was so pumped for us. Like, it was obviously like just great camaraderie, like great team effort. So I, I would have been scared. I would have been like, oh no. Like if I saw that thing come by, like, but obviously two seconds later, I would have been stoked. Right. <laughs> Isn't that something like, did that pop up in your mind? Kind of,
1: yeah. Well, Bob
2: actually <laughs> kept the bill at his house for many years. He did. Just to remember the um Well, it's a team trip.
1: sport. Yeah. It's all about the team. So. But yeah. you got it back. Yeah, I got
2: it back.
0: <laughs> oh, he is both in his house. Right. Uh, and when people would come over to our house when I was a child, there's just this giant tail in our <laughs> living room. Like, normal thing to have, you know? Is that a and- tuna tail? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they even had that much knowledge. They're like, is that a dinosaur? Like, I was like, oh, gosh, here we go with the story again but it's my favorite story to tell, so I'm not even act like I'm not uh insanely proud of that. Yeah, it's a good one. Jen, what's your best catch or your best day or your most epic fish story?
3: Mm, I have a lot of fish stories, but probably the one that, if you could say you're most proud of, it would be my boss had an outdoor show and he had this great idea that he was gonna switch gears from hunting to fishing. So he called me up and he's like, oh, hey, Jen, I'm just gonna bring these guys down and the camera crew and this and that, no big deal, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? No big deal? (laughs) No big deal, what? I'm gonna be on TV, huh? (laughs) You know?" And it didn't help that the, and basically he was like, we're gonna be there like next weekend. This was like Monday.
2: Typical Robin. Yeah,
3: we'll (laughs) be there in five minutes. And, so, the fishing had been god awful, and I had been losing sleep, going, "The fishing's terrible." You know, what am I going to do? And I'm calling him every five minutes. You know, the bite's in Palm Beach. Maybe we should take the boat to Palm Beach. No, we're just going to fish out of Ocean Reef because that's where you know the place is and room for people. And da da da. And I'm like, great, this is going to be like the worst experience ever. <laughs> So I get my nephew Wade. And no, no pressure, right? No pressure at <laughs> no pressure. all. <laughs> Fishing's terrible, but come on down. So and film a show. Mm-hmm. So I collected my nephew. I got Jeff Amarillo to come, and none of the go- none of those guys had ever caught anything. So I was like, okay, this is going to be.
2: So did you go sword fishing that time?
3: Uh, well, I'm getting to that, Jeff. Right?
2: <laughs> okay, I didn't mean to steal your thunder.
3: Can you tell they know each other <laughs> a little bit? So, um, you know, we ended up going fishing. Whatever the weather was, perfect. Uh, we ended up catching like nine sails one day. The next, the next day, when we went- there was no fish, I know, <laughs> right? right? It, it was weird. It was, it was like God was like, did the Bla! bite turn on for you? They are like Jen. apparently so.
0: <laughs> Who'd you pray to? What God? Uh,
3: <laughs> well, you didn't sleep, so you didn't have time. To I pray. didn't. <laughs> yeah, there was no sleeping. I was completely stressed. <laughs> so the next day, um, we the next day we caught like seven sails, we caught some muttons, some tunas, some other, I mean, it was just like epic for being so terrible the week before. So, um, the, that night, the second night, he's like, well, so-and-so has to fly out at noon. Um, but let's go sword fishing in the morning. And I'm like, great, more pressure, go out there and try to catch a sword in a half of a day you know yeah, you get like one drop You get, get, yeah <laughs> if you're lucky if you do short drifts you'll get two yeah we got him on in the first drop no way i think it was the first drop all i remember is just like my hand shaking i was at the wheel going please don't lose this I, and really i was like is this even a bi? is this a real fish because right. i've fought grass for hours you know it's <laughs> haven't we all <laughs> yeah so th- the mo the most sweetest words I have ever heard come out of my nephew Wade's mouth is that's him. Oh my god! And I was like, "Thank merciful God, somebody sink gaps in that sucker." <laughs> 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 and we did, and it was it turned the show turned out great. You know, it was it was amazing. I was lucky, very and a lucky. A lot of
0: those shows, people like catch fish in the background and then like hand people like you did all of this like very authentically, very real, like the star's line for you. And yeah, it was
3: completely organic, every single bit of it.
0: And I feel like, Debbie, you can speak to this as a charter boat owner. You know, you have people come into town that are very important to you. you know, Every one of your clients is important to you, but you always want to give them this perfect experience. That doesn't always happen. That, that Fishing is not always catching.
1: Yes, you cannot control it. Unfortunately. <laughs> you can control a lot of things, but you can't, con- you can't make those fish open their mouths on certain days. So it's so I feel a huge like you can challenge relate to that: right? Absolutely. It, it was... <laughs> and the pressure.
2: One thing that a lot of people don't know is the swordfish has a very soft mouth, and you can't put too much pressure on them, or you will pull the hook on them very easy. So yeah. it is a a very delicate um operation, and the uh, for a lot of the viewers, maybe they don't know what a mutton is, but a mutton is a cherished snapper that we catch here. It's red. And it's great eating. It's pink. Okay, pink. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me. It's got a spot on its tail. Don't eat the black devil spot. spot. Don't, eat. <laughs> don't, eat the, don't eat the devil something, I don't
0: know. Okay, wait, I haven't heard about this. What?
4: Black
3: well, spot, don't you eat. Didn't, you didn't teach me this, Dad.
2: No, I didn't. I think that's what... <laughs> no, think I,
3: I didn't. What does this mean? I think that's what the Bahamians tell people when they don't want them to keep the snappers. Stop I was going to say, or a
1: charter, you know, the black spot, it's poisonous, so... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the <laughs> because devil Because it's so good eating, so the... That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So I'm totally gonna
0: use this now.
3: <laughs> yeah, you don't wanna eat that.
0: That's great. Yeah, because that's one of my favorite fish to eat.
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, fish fry at Lexi. Yeah, exactly.
0: So Debbie, tell us your best day, best catch. Give me your best story.
1: So it's also a tough one to to come up with, but probably for us, you know, we fish as a family as much as we can. And we went on vacation to Hawaii um, and we chartered a boat in Kona. Um, My brother actually lives on Maui. So the Kona boats usually like to leave the dock at like six in the morning. And my brother flew over from Maui to Kona in the morning and we had to wait. And the captain was kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe we're sitting here, we're getting a late start. Mm. Well, we ended up catching eight blue marlin and six ahi tuna. Oh, wow. Goodness. Which was awesome. a record day for Kona. Um, Eight blue marlin. <laughs> was that And the, di- the six ahi. I mean, that's kind of like what caps it. So Whoa. it was an incredible day. Um, my son James caught his first Pacific blue marlin that day. And, um, and then to make the story even better, Kevin came to Florida, Captain Kevin Nakamura, um, the charter boat captain. And it's kind of a similar thing. Like he only had a day to fish with us and the it had been really bad fishing. He had come in for the boat show and at the IGFA banquet, we ended up going out and we caught 33 sails. <laughs> oh, wow. So that was... Only on uh, the LNH. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that was like, it was Kona record day and then it was record day for us and this is pretty... Pretty sweet memory. It's kind of hard to beat that one.
0: Do you keep stocked with <laughs> how many fish the L and H catch and your family wherever they go? Like, do we you tried. like, like, like on your carry-on baggages, are just one? That's all for flags
2: because
1: you guys are <laughs> a catching family. Yeah, I think in Kona we ended up borrowing some flags.
2: <laughs> Did you guys lure fish in uh, Kona?
1: We actually caught them every way that you could. We caught them on oh. bait. We caught them on lures. We caught them on the green stick. Oh, hey, whatever you need, Dad. You know she's got it. You know
0: that is well rounded. That is the David way.
3: Didn't you, didn't uh, your youngest
1: son Christopher catch his blue marlin recently? He did. Well, actually, it's been a few years ago now. Oh, so,
0: <laughs> how old was he when he caught his first blue?
1: Christopher is nine now. He he caught his first blue when he was only four. What? Granted, I mean, keep in mind, it was not IGFA or anything. It was about a 30-pound fish, and it was in Hawaii, and it was on a 130, and he cranked it in. But, I mean, he got it. That is (laughs) still amazing. It was like the perfect size for him. (laughs) Yeah, right? Every mother's dream. I don't care what you are cranking <laughs> no, it was, on. No, I don't
2: care what it is. It was a four-year-old
0: awesome. cranking yeah. on a blue marlin. There's people that With go the there. One
3: thirty.
4: And there's <laughs> it's I a like, big winch. How many mean. years it hold it's that? It's like two hands,
0: right? <laughs> I I just think that there's people that wait their whole lives to catch a blue oh, marlin yeah. in general, and these kids are just legends at four. This is wild.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: Debbie. Some people might not know what a one thirty is. Can you elaborate?
1: The size of the reel, um, they go all the way down to I mean, people fish two pound test and one thirty is a hundred and thirty pound strength line. It's a big, it's heavy, big heavy, heavy duty reel heavy. It's heavy.
2: the biggest
1: they biggest
2: they yeah, make. Yeah, it's the biggest they make. Yeah. Dad,
0: how heavy like when you're holding it, like when you give it like, I like the visual you're giving of a four-year-old holding that. Like I personally would struggle. Crazy he, he couldn't work. hold it. He'd
2: have yeah, to, no, we supported he, he, the he rod to, for him. That,
3: that's how incredible this. Well, is. Well, the reel was probably as big as his head, right? <laughs> pretty, <Yeah>. much. <laughs>
1: pretty much, absolutely, pretty much, yeah. absolutely.
2: And then typically, uh, when you fish with the one thirties, the it's not like straight to the hook. They typically all use four or five hundred pound leader, and they have a double line and stuff like that. So uh, just to add those um, comments to. the so people understand. Right.
0: <laughs> Visualize. So cool. You know, I'm listening to these awesome stories and all, but I'm not really surprised because I know how incredible these female anglers are. And I was I was personally lucky enough to grow up in this industry where female tournaments already existed. You know, growing up in the Keys, we had the Poor Girls. We had the Isla Mirada Women's. We had the Isla Mirada Junior Sailfish Tournament. These were all around. But- I know that wasn't always the case. And, you know, I feel like the person who could speak best to this is is you, Dad. You've been there to watch this sport evolve from the early 80s. You've never even missed a year of the prestigious Ocean Reef Cup. I mean, how many years has that tournament been going on for?
2: Uh, 33 years now.
0: I think it's 36. Uh, All right. We started 36. I stand stand corrected. So uh, uh, Lots
2: of
3: that going around. (laughs) And,
2: And like we shared last night, the most prestigious thing about it is uh, there's always 60 boats. Uh, The reason they cut it off at 60 boats and don't have any more is because they can't accommodate any more people than that for the awards banquet. But it's like you go to the awards banquet and there's over 500 people in this room. So uh, when you win an award, whether it's a lady angler or junior angler or first, second or third, the reception is just phenomenal. I mean, you, you feel so touched and the, trophies that they give are, are very nice uh especially for the the woman i, I remember one year that Judy, jody lewis won uh it was a big statue of a sailfish and you know probably a seven eight thousand dollar trophy yeah and uh it,
3: it is one of i'm sorry Alexi. you both have fished that right yeah mm-hmm. I, I think i was the first female captain to ever fish it and do well I did well, yeah,
0: she always keeps up with the boys. <laughs> you see Jen
3: blown by in that fifty Viking,
0: you can't miss her <laughs> so. so in thirty six years, you have never missed a reef cup, is that right
2: correct, correct and if you what's interesting about the reef cup, and what's so special to me is uh you know, being in the keys all those years, um having you and your sister go to school at Ocean reef, it's a very uh special place as we all know, and uh, when I was a captain, um, I had the Tropic Lightning, which was a Hatteras, and one year uh, that owner's name was Royal Bertram. one year I was third, and then I came back uh, several years later and um, I was on the, the fantasy, uh, which was owned by Roger and David, and I was actually going in the last day, and I was winning, and we had a mechanical failure with the uh, Danny controls, so we could we could only. Go just into gear and out of gear, or go just into reverse. We had no throttle. And uh, our good friend, uh, John Louis Dudas, was like, I don't know, two or three fish behind me. Well, of course, I had to come in early that day because it took me an hour to get in from where we were fishing into uh, to make the the way the we call it the way in, but uh, turn your um, certificate of what you caught that day. So, I had to leave fishing at three when it really ended at four, mm. and I got passed up that day and uh um I never will forget that, but the nice thing again about the reef Cup is a compliment to them. They have the book that they they talk about every year, and they talk about the winners and the what took place, yes, yeah, so it's well, really interesting to read the the book
1: one of the things that also makes that tournament unique isn't it only. Uh, non-professional anglers, right? Ab-
2: absolutely. So then... that
1: puts another
2: right twist,
1: twist on
2: yeah.
1: compared to a lot of the other tournaments where mm-hmm. you got a lot of professional. I don't know crews. And and many
0: no, tournaments that are like that anymore. I mean, that's a big deal. No, like, no that's kite a huge fishing. deal. No kite fishing. Let's add that as well because that's a hot topic there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: it is a hot topic. But they
1: did have kite fishing for a while, I believe. <laughs> they did. They had it for yeah. a while. That's right. And then yeah.
2: they. Well, what happened was the. I feel, anyway, my personal opinion is the members at the reef felt like they were at a disadvantage because some of them didn't know how to kite fish, so they had always just ballyhoo fish. So they, uh, the committee boat, decided that they were going to go back to just having the ballyhoo fishing, so that the tournament doesn't um, give tried, a lot of give a lot of money out because try to level the playing field. Yeah, they tried to yeah. level the playing field, and they tried not to make it about uh the big calcutta like you'd see in the jimmy johnson cuz that's obviously you guys fishing in that tournament last week that's the richest purse there is other than maybe the uh white marlin open or the busy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or the uh other one that's up in new jersey there the um uh mid atlantic yes yes thank you
0: I think yeah. what we take from that is don't ever count John Louie out. That's a rule that's stuck with us for thirty years. <laughs> no ma'am, do not. So you were in first place, you're putting in. There's no live scoring. This is what year, like how many you know, this is way back when there's no live scoring and you're in first place. Was there any thought in your head like, you know what, I, I could win this? Like I I just please hold on, like no one else catch any fish. Absolutely. Or are you thinking like John Louis <laughs> in the fleet? I'm I'm done for
2: <laughs> No. Uh there was a lot of uh, anxiety that we all have anxiety when oh, yeah. we fish because oh. like when you are in the leaderboard, you're like, oh, there's 15 minutes left. <laughs> oh, the last you, but-
1: five minutes is the worst. <laughs> and the, yeah. longest. It's yeah. the longest. It's yeah. always when
0: you get bit or like the <laughs> right. next you gets bit. <laughs> always fish to the very end. Yeah.
2: Tournaments
3: right. are won and lost in the last few minutes.
2: Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Yes. So... With no life scoring, you had to have found out when you hit the dock. This is uh, sad. Oh
2: yes, <laughs> oh yes. <so. laughs>
0: How, how'd you take it? Did you take it like a champ.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. I, there's nothing else else I could do. I can't can't con- you know like, control what you can can control.
3: And that you could not control. Yeah,
2: and like Debbie pointed out, like see if you remember, we were fishing on the 50 Viking, the demo, and we were fishing the uh, Miami uh, Billfish tournament, uh, and we were winning there. Uh, and, uh, we hooked up, uh, and it was the Tropicat guy hooked up and I think he hooked a double and anyway, he wound up catching this two before we caught our one and we all had the same amount of fish, but we wound up getting second because it came down to time and, uh, we were very fortunate that year we went on to, uh, fish the Q S tournament. Uh, I think people would love to know about that, Lexi.
3: Good times
0: yes, yes, yes. What I'm getting at with this timeline of you know my dad seeing this from the eighties is that you've been a vital part of shaping tournament fishing and paving the way for this next generation. You know, you promote female anglers, you raise two of them, um you know, we're the only father daughter brokerage team in this industry. Were there any female anglers back when you started? You know, backing this up into the eighties. Like, think back to that. Is there someone that sticks out in your mind? You know, that you can think of, or were females present in these tournaments?
2: Well, the what I recall, and we networked about this a little bit here before uh, today, is blue marlin fishing has always been considered the man's deal, yeah, especially when it was back in the eighties, where you. Fish the eighty wide, so that's eighty pound test and big heavy tackle, and uh, it would be too heavy for women to pick up out of the covering board, get in the chair. Uh, you just got
0: two eye rolls from <laughs> me and Jen. So, you know. so, uh,
2: Debbie, I'm and, disappointed and, you didn't roll your eyes. There. And, and then we then we lure fished, but uh, we also discussed today. Uh, there was a girl named Marsha Beerman who invented the uh, stand up style fishing. And And lighter tackle. Yes. And uh and she was a very prominent Blue Marlin fisherman. Absolutely. Now what comes to mind to me in the in the sail fishing is uh uh the vessel the sandman and uh Sandra, who uh is the primary angler on the boat. Oh yeah. And uh she has been extremely successful in 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 her winnings and it's her passion and uh the one thing that's changed in her fishing a little bit is um the Bahamas used to always be considered the greatest place to go catch blue marlin, but we all know that the Dominican Republic is the place to go if you have the time and you want to go for weeks or months. The season. You can put yeah. up
3: numbers there,
2: yeah. yeah. I was talking to Kyle Sherman uh, about a week ago, he was fishing with uh um, with Bobby on the Marlin Darlin on the Marlin Darlin. They caught like almost 30 blue marlin in one day, yeah. And uh, Shay Stanzik, who um is one of Lexi's friends that she went to school with, he runs a boat and. Uh, just a great story, uh, because you can still go there any day that they're biting when fish are biting, mm-hmm. uh, and catch five, six, seven fish or, or, or more some days. So, uh, it's amazing how our fishery has changed and where our fishing has changed. Like in the DR, we no longer use the eighties. Yeah. And the
3: targets th- changed. Yeah.
2: So we, we've gone now more like where you're using 30 pound or, or 50 pound, uh, or 20. Yeah. So. And I think that we're seeing a lot more women do it. So,
1: Debbie, have wh- you been to Dior? I have. When did you go? I have. Yes, we went a couple of years ago um, with my husband, actually for our anniversary. Um, so fitting. You had to, you had to go fishing <laughs> on your anniversary. Well, yeah, that's what we do And our spare time we, from fishing. That's, we that's like what to we like fishing. to do. Duh. So at the time, actually, our kids, James and Laurel, were in Australia. And, wow. And they, they had been been invited. Um, with a guest, and they got a grander as well no on oh, our wow. anniversary. <laughs> awesome! Oh my gosh! So, I need to hear more. But we did, we did catch
0: a blue and a white, so it was okay.
4: Oh, <laughs> good. But they,
0: was it the same day that they outshined you with their grander? Yeah, like, <laughs> happy <laughs> <Of> anniversary, <laughs> mom and dad. We caught a grander for no, you. No, but Look it was awesome.
1: Friend. I mean, we were we were super excited. That for probably them. is
0: the best anniversary. Gift, yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. What I, a phone call to get. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know that. <laughs> Jen, you been in DR?
3: Yes. I've been a couple times. Tell me your experience in DR. Um, The first time I went, I went to Casa de Campo. And I caught my first uh, circle hook blue marlin there. Ooh. hmm Yep. I was uh, fishing with Freddie Vincennes. And we went out with a couple people just for fun. And uh, I think I missed the same fish like three times in a row before. Freddie was like, "It's a circle hook, Jen." <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit! Oh darn it!" I just said, <laughs> "Oh, we got our first curse word well, from so, the Kentucky so, some girl." Some people yes. might not know
2: the difference between a circle hook and a J hook. Can we
0: just focus on what really happened right here, and that is that we have our first curse word from Jen Copeland. Let's oh. so all just take a minute and a moment of silence, and and just be grateful. I apologize. That's impressive no. too. That was no, you lasted it? way Maybe longer long. than we thought. Oh my god! Yeah, it was. Pretty- pretty impressive right yeah we we're proud of you
3: yeah so it was good it was good fun
0: okay so yeah tell us the difference between a circle hook you know and a j hook and how that bite is different and how you should
3: uh, i wouldn't say that the bite's much <laughs> yeah, different but right. i would say that the technique is starkly different how you know just it, there's no build dancing your fish anymore you know with the j hooks you used to have to let them eat, jack them up, make sure they're really hooked. And now it's more finesse and feel. No, no trying to set the hook. The circle hook, thank God, sets itself. Yes,
2: and it actually reason. works its way into the
3: right into the corner right. of the jaw. Yeah.
2: Yep, and right. we don't seem to catch uh, uh, on the circle hooks any in the bills like we used to with the, with the J hook because the circle is. Just in a circular fashion, where it it really obviously goes into the corner of the mouth, and then my experience there has been uh, if you hook a fish on the circle hook, and if he's hooked in the corner, he's not going to come off. So yeah, you have it, a lot
3: less gut hooked fish, also.
2: Exactly. That was the whole reason that they did it as a conservation. Right. Exactly. Yep.
1: Yep. With with regards to the lady angler aspect of it too, is a lot more light tackle these days in comparison to back then. Even with the local sailfish tournaments. Fort Lauderdale billfish, Miami billfish used to be the big ones back in the day. And, you know, it was, people were fishing, you know, 30 pound, 50, 60, 80 pound liters. I mean, it, just a totally different ball game than these days. Everything, it's light, light, light. Yeah, everything's scaled back. Yeah, mm-hmm. way scaled yep. back, yep. which, I agree. which is an advantage to, not that women at all cannot handle big tack. heavier tackle, right? Because it really is boiled all down to technique. I mean, we had Laurel at eight years old. She was carrying 130s to the chair because we were trying for junior records. And, Unreal. Um, so it really is about technique and being, able, I mean, granted, she's strong. She may not be your normal female. Right. No, she is an above average angler across the board. She's a good girl. But it it's, you know, it's so much to do with technique and not necessarily physical
2: strength. Well, I know from looking at the Jimmy Johnson and following it because it's fun to follow him on the live scoring to see who you know that's winning and what's going on with the bite. There there was at least 10 lady anglers. Mm-hmm. And I saw like where your name, I saw Sandra from the Sandman. I saw um
3: Sandra Fish.
2: Sandra Fish. Mm-hmm. She's gotten big time into it and yeah. she's a She's been doing great. Yeah, she, she saw, really
3: has. She's committed she has committed to
2: it, yeah. which is great. Yeah. So uh, again, there was at least ten women, and it was very competitive. And- There's
0: probably more than that. Just ten on the board, I would say.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It was that's exactly right. Correct. Ten on
3: the board. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there was more. Females
0: Huge presence. Fishing. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So you know, you guys are talking about who you first recognized in the industry, as far as who my dad mentioned and who sticks out to you. But I want to hear from Debbie and Jen. How were you received when you started competitively? fishing in this industry as a female.
1: I was told I can't do it. You'll never be good enough. You can't do it. Wow.
3: Who told you that? I'm not. I can't <laughs> say that one. Drop I can't, the But name. all I know. I can't say that out loud. Drop all I name. know is
1: that every time I do, I Isla Morata Gold Club, I won top angler overall two years back to back. Yes, ma'am. You've girl. Mm-hmm. Every time, I mean, I, I have a, a few top angler trophies. A few? <laughs> I'm picturing a like a golden case like
0: illuminated <laughs> with like five tiers to it with a bunch of curves.
1: But that's I, probably accurate. In my mind, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> insert hand gesture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> Doesn't it give you more drive? Oh yeah. For
1: sure. Jen, how were you receiving? I just You're... needed the opportunity. Exactly. That was I needed the opportunity. Yeah,
3: you'll find that a lot of women this in this business will not accept you can't because you can. All you have to do is put your mind to it. It's not brain surgery. We're fishing. That's it. But it is hard. And you took it so far to be one of the
0: only female sport fishing captains. Like, how was that received? Like, you are, I've, I've seen you as, in the tournaments I've fished, the only female behind the helm, you know, in the fleet multiple
3: times. What is that like? How are you received? Um, At the beginning, it was very difficult. I lived up here. Excuse me. I could not get a job. You know, I would be passed over and passed over and I'd go to interview passed over, passed over, passed over. And a lot of it was like, I never really got an answer. Why? You know, it was just sort of like, she just
1: needed that opportunity. And then she killed it.
3: Yeah. (laughs)
4: <laughs>
2: I provided that opportunity. You
3: provided one of them, Jeffrey. Yes, it <laughs> lasted
2: 14 years. The 14-year one, you did, and, and that owner couldn't have been happier.
3: Well, I'm glad. I hope so for 14 years. But and, yeah, I had and to, three boats and more than three. Well, if you count the skiffs right? and all that other stuff, lots yeah. of boats. Yeah, I'm talking about
2: the big boats. The big that, boats, and yeah. the fact that you and I built the 50 together, and yep. it turned out magnificent. Yeah, and we were so sorry to see when the family grew and they. Uh kids went on, got married and they decided to take a break from fishing. Yeah. So.
3: Well it was the you know, the boss lady's turn to travel. You know, she had been, you know, toting kids around and da 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 da. And she told me one time, the reason why we love the boat so much is because the kids can't escape us. <laughs> <laughs> you are trapped. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I had to move from Palm Beach to the Keys so i could put myself in a a smaller a smaller group you know instead of being you know at that time it was a lot of ego and whatever mm-hmm. and um
2: male dominated sport it was
3: all male dominated you know da 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 so i had to really like try to shrink myself down to instead of putting myself in a pool of hundreds i put myself in a pool of tens mm-hmm. you know and um Tommy actually just dropped me off at the, my boyfriend at the time, dropped me <laughs> off at the charter dock and said, good luck, dear. Closed the door, drove off. That's a confident man with how pretty you are.
0: <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about that. You know, my dad's talking about how you guys have a relationship with how you got your job on that, um, what ended up being a 50 Viking. There's been multiple boats. But, Dad, tell me why. I I see people approach you all the time for captain's jobs. When you are approached by your client, you're, you know, you're building a new boat. They're like, Hey, do you have somebody in mind? Clearly you chose Jen. Why did you choose Jen for that particular client and that job?
2: Well, first of all, whenever you recommend somebody, you hope they don't let you down because if they, they can make you look bad as Mm. the salesman because you recommended the wrong person. The, uh,
0: that's the sound I like the to perfect
2: hear. the perfect uh, match. I felt like for Robin was Jen because she can do all kinds of fishing. She's very proficient, very proficient at catching lobsters and doing the hog dogging that we did. So it was going to be a great fit for a family. And she keeps phenomenal records. When we sold the fifty foot Viking, she had a full on logbook of everything that went on. You know, sometimes just oil changes, sometimes like minor things, like maybe changing a light bulb. But the person that bought that boat, still has it today, that's why he bought it. And uh, the cleanliness, because you are very, very particular about how nice your boat is inside.
3: Thanks to my mother. yes, It, it always
2: showed like nobody had ever spent a day on it. And right. I know you guys went to the Bahamas and you had, Robin was always one, that's your boss to have lots of people yeah. where you'd be going, oh, Jeff, we got 10 or 12 people coming today.
4: <laughs> I'd be
3: running around the reef going, can I borrow some life jackets?
2: Yeah. and I'd Do you have any for kids? I go, you'll do just fine. But again, how many um, captains are proficient at sword fishing? How many are proficient at bottom fishing, catching the muttons and yellowtails? And how many are proficient at the sailfish fishing? You always were extremely good at all of them, uh, especially the sail fishing. So, my hat's off to you. You did a great job.
3: Thank you. I'm very, um, I'm convinced that a well-rounded fisherman is going to be best because you never know, you know, you might have a guy that you're working for that's all tournaments, tournaments, sailfish, da and then he sells the boat and you're out of a job. And now you might have to go work for a family and they may not just want to sailfish. They may want to do other things. So you have to absolutely sort of give a little. Absolutely. And speaking of families, Debbie,
0: you are a mom of three, correct? Yes. Tell me the ages of your kids.
1: James is the oldest. He's 22. Laurel's 18. And Christopher is nine. Tell me where they're at in their lives. What are they doing? So James uh, grew up working with us on the charter boat. He's done a lot of freelancing. He's traveled all over. He's been to Africa, Australia, um, Hawaii, Madeira. He's Dominican Republic, Cape Costa Brady. Rica. Yep, <laughs> wow. it, go, it goes on. <laughs> He's got a long list, and he actually just took a, a full time private job on a on a boat, and uh, they're getting ready in May. They're going to ship it to Mag Bay. So, wow. Yep. How does that
0: feel for you as a mom?
1: <laughs> it makes us extremely proud. Proud parents. I mean, I, I was saying the other night, you know, when he was little. We, you know, always just if this is what you wanna do, if fishing is what you wanna do, then go travel, try to do as much as you can, see as much as you can, experience as much as you can while you're young. And then you'll know what's out there and you'll know which avenue you wanna go to settle down and to have a family and have a relationship and you know, it's it's important to us for him to to get those experiences and There's so much to see out there. I mean, it's a huge world. We're really proud of him and we're really thankful that he's able to have all these experiences as you should be. And then you have Laurel who is your middle. Yes. And she's how old? She's 18. She just graduated last year from high school. Um, And she is, uh, she goes on the boat. She helps us at the dock all the time. Um, She does a lot of commercial fishing with a friend of ours she's uh she's doing some classes in school but with covid she doesn't like the online thing so she's taking a little bit of a break from that and then uh once things get straightened out she may go finish that she graduated high school with only she only needs just a few more credits and she'll have her aa she's very wow bright girl wow Terrific. So, you can't
0: bring your laptop on the boat when you're reeling in fish. This COVID
1: thing's not
3: working for her. <laughs> or when you're mating. She's like, yeah, i She just doesn't like
1: it. She's more of a, I need to be there, you know, hands on. Because yes. if I'm not here, thing. I'm fishing. I'm not yeah, doing both. Exactly. Right? <laughs> what
0: exactly. is it like to have a female in your family follow in the, you know, in the family footsteps of this fishing world? It's is a, it different than your boys?
1: Very different. Very different. Um, I mean, I'm super proud of her, but this day and age, especially when it comes to social media, it is a whole nother world. It was another world for females back in the day, you know, trying to get a foot in, trying to make a name for yourself. And with the social media now, it's the pressure is ridiculous. Yeah. And so one of the big conversations that's always been is, you know. How do you want to be respected? How do you want to be known? Do you want to be known as a cute pretty girl who catches fish or do you want to be known as a fisherman? And she wants to be known as a fisherman. I mean, and and she is, you know, she kicks butt at it. She's So
3: when you uh when she when you first sent her off uh to go fishing on a boat that wasn't filled with family, <laughs> what was your advice to her?
1: Um. just number one you gotta keep your clothes on right <laughs> <laughs> yep and uh, <laughs> but that goes back to how do you want to be viewed and how do you want to be respected what do you want to be known for and just being a girl you're every single move you're gonna be critiqued yep and and watched and every every movement every word every action It it's like and I didn't have to, I mean, with James, the conversation wasn't the same. You know, it was, yeah, you need to keep your head on straight and, but, but not in the same fashion. The pressure is so much harder on Laurel. Um, it, It's, it's tough. It's tough out there for her. As female
0: anglers, we really understand that a lot. And my dad raising two girls, we get it. And I'm really glad that you brought that to light. And then you have a young one at home, right? He's nine. Yes, Christopher. So, how do you juggle mom, angler, and wife life?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> put on my sneakers and go, like, like whatever. It'll the, shake the grudens, right? Put on your Grundons put on sneakers, whatever kind of day it is. That's awesome, Dad.
0: Let's hear from the other side. I want a male perspective from a captain. How did you juggle being gone? a lot away from you know young children and your wife how did how did you manage and raising girls yeah yeah that too (laughs) It,
2: it, it was very hard um fortunately uh was able to coordinate with some of the owners to um bring my wife and my daughter uh i remember one trip in particular i was working for hmy in 1990 uh misty was uh year and a half years old and it was Mother's Day and we were going to Chub K to fish a tournament and Happy uh, Mother's Day I'm leaving and we had uh, I took Misty and I took uh, my wife Stacy and of course we had a mate and we went to uh, Chub K which is mm, probably three and a half four hours from uh, Key Largo and then uh, they actually flew out that day because the anglers I had come in to fish the tournament had flown in privately so they just got on the private plane and flew back and there was uh another time uh that was not as easy as that and uh my uh wife was gonna fly in with uh billy elliott and meet us in uh treasure k at the time we were fishing the bbc and it was very popular and uh what was uh really turned out to be a uh fortunate but it was unfortunate at the time was uh went to the airport that day and and nobody was there and i'm like okay so i went in, and asked the lady at the desk and she said oh there was problems with the flight um but that's all we know and i'm like problems- and your heart drop yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm like problems with the flight and at that point you know that was back before we had all the technology with the cell phones and stuff like that and and fortunately uh somehow we did find out that they had been deferred to. Uh, nassau that day and then i think they came in later that night but uh
3: how did you how did you handle being a traveling captain with a baby
2: it, it was really tough it, it was really tough and and that was uh over the years it, it wears on you mm-hmm. it
1: wears on the wife too. yeah it wears on the it, mom. It,
2: it does and mom, it wears on the whole family the whole family it, it really does because when i uh misty or lexi and i have conversations they're like you know dad you weren't here sometimes right. I, go, I go yeah i know and so uh when i uh was able to make the transition uh i felt like hey i graduated from college it was, i had been in real estate but i'm like you know boats are what i know so i went to hmy and said hey can i uh can i come and sell boats And and they said sure so that was very fortunate for me to be able to come on board they uh they were gracious enough where I could do some freelance work, meaning I could work for other people for two or three days a week, so I had some income.
3: And you were home mostly.
2: Yeah, and I was home. So, uh, uh, but no, I think anybody that you would know, uh, especially fortunately, your charter boat's always been, you know, right there in Cranford Park. Um, Jen, you've you've seen it. You've been a captain. Uh, you know, I, I, hey, we would take the boat to New York in the summertime. I'd be gone two or three months and would come home for. A long weekend one time a right. month that's, that's not a, that's not adequate.
1: That's one of the main reasons that we have encouraged James to do it while he's young because it, get it out, it's out of your system really, before you find somebody that you really well. Have. It's, it's really advice. challenging. Yeah. It's no, really I, challenging
3: absolutely. for for a family. Yeah. Was that a hard decision though to go from?
2: No once once uh, once I had to support HMY then I was I was like wow I made the right decision. So, because I could work locally and I could see my kids every day. Mm -hmm. And at that point, my kids were very active with their, uh, uh, like she did Taekwondo and Misty did dance. So I was able to be part of that as well.
0: Dad, please tell them so that we can actually get a really good uh, visualization of what mom went through. So please tell them uh, how Misty came into this world. That's my older sister who's three and a half years older than me, Or his beautiful firstborn. I. I would love for you to share um, what patience a wife of a captain has that's especially a tournament captain's wife. Please tell me uh, how your oldest entered the world and how you became a dad.
2: Well, it's uh, a very well. interesting story. So we had just finished fishing the Triple Crown, which is three tournaments in the Keys, in the Florida Keys. And the last leg was the Island Rada tournament and we had a very successful tournament we won the tournament we set a new tournament record and so um stacy came to the uh dinner that night and the next morning you know of course we would all had some celebratory drinks other than (laughs) stacy um (laughs) stacy wakes me up at like 6 30 goes oh my water broke <laughs> we, we, no, it, no it
0: didn't I'm hung over yeah, yeah.
2: I and think so, you uh,
0: mistaken that I spilled a beer in the bed yeah.
2: no. so we lived in the Keys so we were, we had to drive all the way to Miami to go to, to, the ho- t- to the hospital so sure enough you know I got dressed and we went that day and sure enough in the afternoon uh, very fortunately Misty was born and very healthy and all that and uh, I'll uh, never forget that
3: day <laughs> So when you have a a wife that's getting ready to pop and you win the tournament, take it easy that night.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Get some sleep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he got lucky though, like nine months pregnant, and I'm like, okay, so you're out facing the Triple Crown, like she. This could have happened. Yeah, anytime. it could have
1: happened during the tournament, right? right. Yeah. Like that
3: was best Macy case scenario. Was very
1: cooperative, right? <laughs> wasn't
3: Jeff? Wasn't Tommy somewhere when his mate his he had a mate on the boat there I guess they were in North Carolina or whatever, and and he gets a call on the Single side ban, I reckon, at that time. Uh, Your wife's in labor and he had to turn around and like take him back to the dock.
2: Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. true. That, that's a true story.
1: Another effect of fishermen, wife, family. Some, a lot of births have been missed <laughs> by fishermen. Yeah. Fishing fathers.
3: So, um, how do you feel about Lex being in the business? And did you, You know, when did she decide that she was going to do that? And what kind of advice did you give her?
2: Well, she came on board. uh, She approached me. And she's been with HMY for five years now. Uh, The one thing I can say uh, from the bottom of my heart is I love the comments that I hear from owners of companies. I'm not going to... And obviously aside from HMY, but, uh, I got a compliment, uh, just yesterday from a gentleman that works with HMY and he talked about how, uh, uh, intelligent Lexi was, how driven she was, how self, how she had so much self-discipline and really took the time to understand the product knowledge and stuff. So when I hear things like that, I was really glad that I made the decision to encourage her to, to, to come. Because it's definitely a male-dominated industry. Uh, Lexi started and and, uh, spent her first year selling sport fishing boats because that's what she knew because she'd done so much fishing. And then, uh, you know, we talked about a transition, and that transition was, you know, Lexi, um, I think you'd be a better fit getting into the cruising style boats. And the reason is, is because it's similar to the... Women selling real estate, right? Women, she appeals to the exactly, and so the wife, the the husband, when he has his wife, and they're going to go buy a princess or a cruising style boat. You know, the the wife is like, okay, we need the galley like this, we need so many staterooms, and if we're going to have a crew, then got to have an adequate place for them. And the husband's going like, sounds great, honey. Let's sign up.
3: Let's sign. <laughs>
2: so, uh, but yeah, no, there was a lot of um. Yeah, or there was some hesitation, and the one thing that all of us know there's nothing easy about sales, right? Sales you have to be driven, they don't fall on your lap, and uh, a woman is still going to have a harder time than, than a man getting going. And uh, Lexi and I were talking the other night, uh, how it was so she would be out there trying to sell a sport fishing guy and the guy would almost be like, challenger. Like, what do you know about the engines? What do you know about the cruising speed? How, how many gallons an hour? Testing her. Yeah, testing her. And then when she would know the answers to that, then uh, it all worked out. And I remember there was a big time tournament fisherman. I'm not going to mention who it is. Um, and uh, Lexi got a referral to and got his contact and uh, she wound up working with the guy. And of course, he had plenty of guys that could have helped him by his boat, but he went up on a 52 Viking Express from Lexi and uh, you know, has enjoyed it ever since yeah. and, and compliment her, her on her knowledge. And so, again, my hats are off to you, Lex. You've done a great job. I'm very proud of you, especially last year.
3: <laughs> well, she's been around the business forever. I hope she would have learned something through osmosis. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh,
2: <laughs> another small story one day, uh, which I took her to work a lot, so one Saturday. I go into the office and I got duty day and uh, we were a Cabo dealer back then. So two or three people show up at the same time. And the one guy wants to look at 35 Cabos and Lexi's maybe 10 years old, maybe, <laughs> but she had all the knowledge in the 35 Cabo because I had sold one to Fred Pape, the sea wings. And Fred always let us use the boat at an ocean reef or to go to the Bahamas and stuff. And when we went to the Bahamas, we didn't go for a family trip other than we would take the boat over there and then everybody would fly home and then Fred would fly in and I would fish with him and I'd bring the boat back. So I turned Le- Lexi loose, uh, with these people. And after about 45 minutes or an hour, you know, she knew how to uh, open up the engine room. hatch. She already does, sold the
1: boat.
4: These guys come back
1: and That's they go, great.
2: there's nothing she didn't know about this boat, you know, <laughs> at like 10 years old. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to say that they bought one, but they, but they didn't. But, uh, I was going to
0: say I never got paid that commission. Right. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: but, uh, Maybe at least he's funds.
3: telling you they, they didn't buy. Yeah, <laughs>
2: but uh, again, it was a great story. That so, is a good story. And, uh, you know, as a compliment again to Lexi, uh, she got to fish on that Viking demo, that 50 Viking, and then um uh, we, we did well in the Miami Yamaha tournament. Um, We got second, and then we went on. We won a daily in the World Sailfish. Well, as a compliment to Pat Healy. Yeah. She wound up giving her like eight thousand dollars <laughs> and put it in her college fund. Nice. You know, and he didn't have to do that. But again, she was she, she was young at that time. She was um 17 sixteen, seventeen years old. That's so, amazing. So.
0: I was really grateful for that opportunity. I like looking back now at an older age, I I realized the magnitude of being invited on a boat like that. You know, I'm used to tagging along with dad. I'm used to being invited in these tournaments, but I look back and I'm like, wow, that was like a really special time and a really unique opportunity. And I'm just really grateful for that. And uh, yeah, I want to do it again. Well, it probably
3: set the stage for a lot that's happening to you now also.
0: Yeah, walking around my dad, if you're a sponge, he is a wealth of knowledge. And if you just listen to him talk, like I owe him everything knowledge-wise, and he's, he is just a wealth of knowledge, and he knows product better than anyone, and it's always, you know, ever-changing technology is ever-changing, you know, our electronics, et cetera, but, I mean, he stays on top of it. He knows that He knows how to fix it. He knows what's going in the new builds. He knows what's in the old builds. Like, it's just, it's incredible, and and it, it blows my mind, and I'm really glad to have a mentor like him because I wouldn't be who I am without him, but um, I want to know... From Jen and Debbie. If you could give a woman getting into this industry one piece of advice, what would it be?
3: Oh, So much advice to give. Um, always be humble. I see a lot of people, me, 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 me.
1: No. And keep your clothes on. And keep your clothes on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> clothes on, mouth closed. Always be humble. But, uh,
1: but stop and think, you know, just like I was explaining with Laurel, how, what do you want out of it? What are you looking for? What do you want to do with it? How do you want to be respected? How do you want to be known? And and then go with that. And you know, again, with Laurel, with anybody, if you're going to do it, be the best and go and kill it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And be the the absolute best. But uh, you have to you have to earn it. I
3: mean, it's. I had so much advice. You know, it was, you know, you have one mouth in two ears. So use the ears, you know. That's right. Ask questions. Be humble. It's not about you. It's a team. You know, all of it. I love it. I love it. You guys
0: and all of your successes. Tell me how you cross paths you know, Jen, Debbie, how do you know each other? <laughs> stalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a stalker.
3: I'm a stalker. Um, well, I'd be fishing at Ocean Reef. We could hear everything that was happening in Isla Morada. If I wasn't fishing in Isla Morada. And, you know, there'd be tournament days and we're out there and I just hear, right now, Debbie David. Right now, Debbie David. <laughs> Debbie David. I'm like, dang it, who is Debbie David? I got to know. <laughs> So I stalked her on the internet, basically, and uh, I actually only met her recent well, a couple of years ago, um Jen Dudas, the girl that runs um Marlin University, she used to be in charge of the BBCs and whatever, so we were messing around one night at dinner and I'm like and we're talking about Marlon University and trying to come up with you know cool ideas, and then we were talking about ladies fishing, and I'm like, how come we don't have a ladies only?" Marlin University. She's like, well, we don't have any lady instructors. I said, well, I'll be one. And she goes, well, we need more than that. And I'm like, I'm calling Debbie David. (laughs) Didn't know her phone number, but I do her and, husband. And
1: at which time, Jen was probably like, "Well, I know Debbie." Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll get Debbie the to Dudes do family it. Family <laughs> used to own the LNH, right?
0: So it was uh, when they were looking for suggestions, you were like, "Right now for Debbie David." Yeah, <laughs> right now Debbie David.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yep, I definitely I called
3: her right up. I was like, "Can you do this?" She's like, "I would love it." No,
0: but I I like that. You know, women empowering women. Like, you can identify talent in another woman when you fought your way to the top. You recognize. I want to say personally, when I walk up to somebody like within five minutes, I can tell, like, did you earn your spot? Like, how'd you get here? Are you the real deal? Right. Are you here for the right reasons? I feel like you two can absolutely identify that. Right. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. would call it, you know, a woman's intuition that you can tell, you know, who's well, you who's can who's tell who's it.
3: a hard worker and who's just riding, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Coattails or whatever. And, and
0: clearly men can see that too. You know, dad, you saw that in Jen.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Everybody might not know what uh Marlin University is, so I think you should talk about that because it's uh it's something that goes on in our industry now um and I want to know more about it <laughs> obviously uh you have to have a tremendous amount of knowledge um to get certified
3: I like to liken it as and maybe debbie can chime in also, but I think it's like charter fishing on steroids kind of you're you you're not I mean, you go to these amazing places. You have to go where you're going to get bites or it makes no sense to try to teach someone how to angle or hook fish or whatever. So we go to these great places, um, Costa Rica, Guatemala, you know,
1: wherever Jen plans.
3: uh, Yeah, (laughs) Wherever (laughs) Jen Duda plans. Yeah. So uh, we go, we charter the best boats there. You know, how we how we structure it is, is there's four um, students to one instructor and so, it's hands-on it's totally so hands-on. you're actually
1: learning not just
3: hook as, and hand
1: or whatever or a- as just an average charter you know you don't you don't always take the time to teach your charters i mean you show them the basics especially somebody you know with little experience but for people who have a little bit of experience but they really want to enhance it and learn it's You're actually learning. You can ask questions. You'll get them answered. Um, And the the best thing about it is,
3: is that the people that are there really want to learn. Yeah, they're they're into it. They're 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 not just like these in and out people that are like, oh, I want to catch a blue marlin or I want to catch a sailfish or whatever. They're they like really want to do it because they want to do it more. They want to hook this fish. They want to know how to. They want to know that. Well, anybody can reel in a fish if you hand it to the Marty attached. Correct. The hard part is. Getting getting him connected at the beginning, <laughs> right? So I would. What I'm hearing is this is a sink or
0: swim program in a good way. As far as we're going to throw you in, you're going to be with some amazing people, and we're going to, you know, we're going to give it's you. It's like side
1: by side, one on one. I mean, I know when when we did it with the ladies, the fish had come up, and you're you're coaching them. You're, you're like me. in you're, their
3: ear. Yeah, I love it. yeah, and they and they they ask so many questions. You know, I always like. At the beginning, I'm like, "This is how you hold the reel. This is what you do when you feed. Da, da 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 da. No thumb. If you backlash, whatever backlash is fine. You know, that's how you learn not to backlash." Mm-hmm. So they were just full of questions. Well, what did I do wrong? What can I do next? You know, what happened to her fish? Her fish jumped off. Da 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 da. da. By the end of the thing, by the end of the four days,
1: these chicks were killing it. And I mean... Everyone had hooked their own fish by the end. Wow. And some had never hooked a fish.
3: We had a little mini tournament at the end. I think we were, were we caught 11 or 14 or something? Both of uh, us. And we were fishing (laughs) against each other. (laughs) I won on time. <laughs> I was, was going to ask who won, but and I was you like, told me. <laughs> yes, I beat Debbie David <laughs> Right now for Jen Copeland. <laughs> right now.
0: Did you finally. Say, did you say it five times over again just to hear just it? Just in my head, but yeah. <laughs> right now for Jen Copeland. Right now for Jen-
3: <laughs> <laughs> But it was great because, the, you know, my group was like 11 for 14 or something like that. These are ladies that have never really been bill fishing before. This is incredible.
1: Keep in mind, too, that was going IGFA. So that was IGFA, the last the day. The last day, IGFA. So that added to it. That I really mean, just shows how,
3: one, much going they from won- never hooking a fish. Right. To- how much they really wanted to learn to how well they progressed in three or four days. What a, you
0: know, testament to both of you on what you can teach people in the amount of time. And I think a lot of times we're scared to ask questions. The fact that they have the ability to ask you all those questions all day long, don't you think that that's what you attribute to the success of that or what do you think is the key to Marlin University that gets these women progressed that fast?
3: I think it's partially the the instructors are women. And a lot of women have bad experiences on boats. I mean, I mean, go to any doc on any weekend and how many husbands are yelling at their wives, you know, they're intimidated Mm -hmm. and there's nothing to, no reason to be intimidated. I think if you have a woman teaching a woman from the outset, they, you know, they trust you. They understand that you're probably have, have felt what they feel right now at some point in your life. They, you know, they know that you get it and, and they have the opportunity you know, there is no stupid question. I don't care if you want to say, how come we're not putting the couch on the left Long, You know, whatever. (laughs) But, you know, they they feel more, I think they feel more comfortable. But now once they get it, and they've done it, and they gain confidence, the confidence, Mm -hmm. now they can go and fish with a co-ed group, no problem. I would be like, Yes, every one of my ladies, goodbye. You, you don't need to come to Ladies Only anymore. You go with the co-eds. Spread your wing. Yep. Well,
2: the the other thing that you touched upon is it's IGFA. So that's the um, rules that we govern, record fishing or tournament fishing. Yep. Uh, so it, uh, that sets the bar of not just, not taking away from the charter boats, <laughs> the hook and hand. So right. hook and hand means the mate or somebody in the cockpit hooks the fish. And hands it off. And like both you guys, or especially you, Jen, you, you, you mentioned that, uh yes, the easiest part is reeling the fish in. Mm-hmm. The hardest part is actually hooking it. the fish. Yeah. So yeah, very, very interesting story. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so that's how you two know each other, Jen and Debbie. I know Jen. From A young age, like I said, from the keys, and I promised everyone that we would get into hog dogging because that's what just comes to the forefront of my mind. You might have some yes, people please. mad at you, Lexi. <laughs> I know I'm about to give secrets, but I think it's about time. Um, considering that it's hard for me to find hogfish on our spot anymore, anyhow. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as long as I don't go to our spots, you know, which we won't divulge, I'm okay with this. So, growing up in the keys, uh, there's John Penny Camp State Park, and you cannot spearfish in that, you know, it's protected. So I was, um, when I say taught, it was more like told. You just are told what to do in the Curry family. You don't ask questions because <laughs> it's fun. Right, It's fun and you're going to catch fish and you're going to have a dang good time. And you got a bunch of people surrounding you. You, you know you're going to have a good day. So I didn't ask questions, you know. So <laughs> you'll have to speak to how I never wore flippers. I just thought of that. But um, <laughs> So hog dogging is when we jump in the water, we only went to about... Um, 10 feet and shallower. So, really shallow. Six, six to 10 feet. Yeah, six to 10 feet. And you jump in the water with your rod and you bring a secret bait. Dun, dun, dun. Don't
3: do it. I'm doing <laughs>
0: it. Okay. Oh, it's rock shrimp. Do it.
4: <laughs> so, Dep- do it. I know.
0: So, it's rock shrimp is our secret bait. And it's because it's got this really hard exterior to where the big hogfish, you know, can, when, we find it when we drop our baits. If you were using a regular shrimp, these grunts and yelltails that come at your fish first, you know, can easily shred this bait immediately. But when you have the rock shrimp, you've seen. So we wait till we snorkel up and we spot a nice hog. They're normally in the fans, and you know, you're like, okay, so you drop the shrimp right in front of him. So then you'll have some snappers, you know, some some grunts, some yelltails. Maybe pick at it. Well, they can't penetrate the rock shrimp and here comes that hog and he lights up and he turns and he lights up in all these colors and he's like no 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 out of my way suckers that's right and he just comes and like normally he'll just he'll do that two-step you know tell him what it's like when when he when he picks up that rock shrimp
3: well the head shake yeah he a lot of times they'll pick it up and you know i think hogs only live in like a certain little area so they know every Every little nook and cranny. Every rock. Everything. So he'll pick up the rock shrimp. He'll hold it in his mouth. He'll carry it over to a rock and he'll bang the shrimp against the rock until it busts up. Yep. So when he ends up swallowing it, the shell is already cracked and he has less, you know, work to do basically. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And then you are
0: floating on the surface. You have a snorkel and fins.
4: And And a rod in your hand?
0: Yes. And a rod in your hand. (laughs) And you are... Watching this all happen, it's it's what we all like like dream of. Fishing. This is before (laughs) it's basically side fishing. This is before underwater cameras, you know, where you watch the bites come up on the dredges and things like that. Like we were doing this, you know, literally twenty five years ago, (laughs) but in six feet of water is it's amazing. Like you, it's like cheating. It's really good fun. It's so much fun.
3: So, but if you've ever if you've ever tried to catch hogs from a boat and you get just annihilated, it's really hard to catch them. Yes, when you see them feeding. In real life, like the, the underwater, whatever. I mean, you're like, no wonder, no wonder. Because yes, they no pick wonder it. I can't. No hook wonder them. I can't hook them because <laughs> they're over there messing around on the rock. We bring all these,
0: you know, rock shrimp in our in our pockets, and you know, uh, you know. <laughs> shamelessly put some like in a bathing suit and things like that (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh you know the guys are lucky enough to have like the cargo uh swim trunks where they can put all of their rock shrimp in there but you bring extras because you like she's saying you watch them pick these shrimp bar i've been you know ate off plenty of times where you watch them swim off and you got to go i'm like oh and you can hear the yell through the snorkel and you go chase them (laughs) yes the snorkel (laughs) pond so growing up with jen hog dogging was our thing and it was it was a you know weekly thing and um, I started watching my dad do it when I was on his back, you know, as a little tiny, tiny girl, watch him do it, watch him a couple of times. And I was like, throw me the rod. Let's do this. You know, I never had any thought that it was anything different. You know, this is just what we did. Or dangerous. Right. Well, we did it
2: also, um, in the summertime when the water was warm and we acquired the spots, like Lexi said, um, where there's rocks and there's, they like the sea fans a lot. Um, and we started scouting for the lobsters for the mini season. Mm-hmm. So when we found mini uh, lobsters in the in the heads or whatever there, then we would write that spot down and know to go back there. The other thing uh, that's unique to the hogfish is they only eat crustaceans. Right, they they won't eat a you know a squid or, or something else. They they they'll eat a lobster tail or
3: or a bear hook. I've seen that happen. <laughs> yes,
2: but they but they won't eat um a soft yep. bait. So
3: yeah so
0: funny story i'm you know I'm probably i don't know maybe eight to ten, maybe my dad'll remember, but in thinking this is normal, I'm baiting a hogfish and it's always around mini lobster season just like you said, so I brought a friend. well, when you bring a friend into your world and it's a world that we all live in where you fish and and do all these things every day and you think it's normal. I bring my friend Taylor and she comes snorkeling with me. And it's and it's a birthday party for me because it's always a birthday. And it's like, yeah, you get to go fishing with Jeff. It's more like a boot camp. <laughs> me, it's the best day ever. But uh hope you don't get seasick because you're not going in. And we anchor out on the 35 Cabo. And you're anchored out way in the sand so you don't you know, affect the reef with the anchor. So he's a good 30 yards away from us. And I'm baiting a hogfish. And I drop it down and she's watching the whole thing. And, you know, I got my... Friend floating next to me, and she's so excited to watch this all happen for the first time. And so I, I drop the shrimp, and I and I bait the hogfish. Here he comes, lights up, eats, awesome, great. I start winding on him, and when you're when you're a tiny little girl, it actually gives you a little fight, pulls you down a little bit. <laughs> sure enough, what I didn't see was Mr. Barracuda. There he is. He comes and eats my hogfish that I have oh. on my line, and I'm like, I don't remember going over this protocol of what I'm supposed to do this moment. <laughs> So before I know it, Taylor, my friend, has her flipper on my back. She is standing on me, (laughs) drowning me. My snorkel is full of water. I'm like, okay, I'm going down. And I'm now eye level with a barracuda because we're in only six to seven feet of water. And I'm watching this whole thing go down without any oxygen. And she is screaming. I can hear her above the water. Jeff,
4: (laughs) Mr. Creary.
0: And he's on the boat and he's standing in the cockpit. And finally, I, I get a chance to come up for air. And I genuinely have this giant barracuda on the end of my line who's who's taking line and I'm I'm it's dragging us around. Like this is literally like a cartoon. And I'm like, oh gosh, what do I do? And I'm thinking, you know what? If I just, if I just lift my head out of the water, I won't see whatever happens to me next.
1: So I left. My be head, able to breathe. Right.
0: So I lift my head up out of the water. Taylor is like Michael Phelpsing it because she has not realized that my dad's doing like a conversation thing with her. Like, what? Like, like trying to talk to her about it. Like, there's no time for conversation here. This is in her mind, a life or death situation, which it was not mine. I was just like, oh, this is kind of hairy. Like, I don't really know how this one plays out. I don't remember being told how to handle. So uh, my dad's like, what? And she's like, just, just she's freestyling it faster than I've ever seen anybody to the boat. She's got 30 yards to go. I'm like, I, you know what? Just keep your head out of the water and follow her. Keep it going. So luckily I thought to open the bail so that I wasn't dragging a barracuda with me. So who, who knows where he went? I had the barrel open. He's still on my line. And I'm like, dad. And, and I got to know, like, dad, you're in the cockpit here. You're looking back. Like, what do
3: you see?
2: Oh, I, I, <laughs> I thought that there was Like a shark going to eat you guys or something. I mean, she was almost in hysterics.
3: (laughs) A bloody murder.
2: Yeah. And uh, there's no way I could have gotten the the anchor up like that quick. (laughs) Right. So uh, Also
0: the draft. Like you're on your own.
2: Yeah. But uh, again, it's a moment I won't ever forget. Because I could tell she was truly terrified.
0: Yeah. Did <laughs> you wave like, "So sorry"? And,
2: and I don't think she got no. back in the water. That I don't think she got back in the water that day.
0: Uh,
3: I don't remember Taylor
0: ever going with us again. Was yeah. that around the same time
3: that we uh, changed tactics? That we weren't decided was probably not a good idea to be anchoring. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: Tell tell them how we changed that, and and this is why.
3: Yeah. Well, one time we were going, and you know, the sharks. Eventually, they figure it out. They don't care how shallow you are. They hear the dinner bell ringing.
2: Exactly. The quivering of the fish.
3: Yes. So uh, we were like, yeah, maybe anchoring is not such a great idea because you get so lost in the moment of following your hog around. I mean, you'll follow him for football field, (laughs) you know, and then the next thing you know, you're like, where the hell is that boat? You're way far away. So if you actually hooked one, you'd have to swim a while to get back. So we decided that Whenever we went, there had to be at least three people, and we'd just take turns driving, driving the boat, driving the boat, and
2: not anchor it,
3: and not anchor it, just drive it around. And when you caught one, you held it up in the air. The boat so would so
0: rescue Taylor. Yep. Yes,
3: <laughs> yeah, we got smarter. Yep.
0: All right, so I did something really fun, guys. I posted on my Instagram asking listeners to submit fun questions for y'all to answer. Oh dear, are you ready? Because <laughs> right. there's there's really funny ones, and then there's actually like some tough ones. So feel free to chime in, anyone jump in. There's some that are specifically for one of you and there's others that anyone can jump in. So submitted by Carmela, tell me your favorite motto to live by.
1: Deb? I just say, like the song, stay humble and kind, always be kind. That's good. Very good. good.
3: Very good.
0: All right, Um. also submitted by Carmela, best name on a boat that you've ever heard?
3: Boss lady. Oh, that's a good one. So fitting. That's a good
2: one. That's my favorite. I one. Couldn't think so uh, one time I was walking the dock somewhere, I think it was in the Bahamas, and I walked over to like a 54 Bertram and uh, the boat was called Chicken Feed. And I, <laughs> <What>? asked, <laughs> I asked the owner, I said, are you in the chicken business or how did you come up with a name for your boat? He goes, son, this boat is chicken feed compared to the money I spend on my jet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true, probably. Oh, that's great. That's great. Okay, submitted by Riley, you only have one fish to catch the rest of your life. What is it?
1: That you've- Like one species that, never, you get that you've catch? never caught before? Or Whatever you I, want I, it to be. It's hard to go with one. I, I guess billfish, any kind of billfish. I agree. I'd say juvenile black marlin in the Ooh. shallows,
3: side casting them like we do the sails. Nice. Love it.
0: Oh, Riley also would like to know do you guys pour the cereal or the milk first?
3: Cereal. <laughs> cereal. You don't, you don't know how
0: much cereal. milk to
4: put
3: in. Yeah. Who, who
4: puts cereal. milk first? Yeah. I don't
3: know.
0: Okay. Um, Taylor wanted to know what is your favorite thing to do outside of fishing?
3: You mean on our time off? Yeah. Not that you get any of that. Go fishing. Yeah. <laughs> Same, Pretty much, yeah. same. Dad,
2: go hunting. We have the father daughter weekend every year that we go hunting together, and I hate to say it, but Lexi has killed these beautiful deer, and I'm still <laughs> trying to catch up.
0: Oh lord, <laughs> he's got me in the grinder department, but I definitely have bigger bucks than him. <laughs> but our our hunting camp has cell service, and we really need to find one that has no cell service because that phone keeps ringing. Like you know, in sales, you know, your phone's always ringing. I'm like, God, even the deer stand. I'm like, like, isn't that a thing? Like when you go hunting, you're supposed to lose service. Oh, we got service you there. You probably
3: shouldn't be on your phone if you're trying to kill something,
0: Jeff.
2: It's I, on could, silent. That could contribute. I think
0: he's- Just saying. I think he's selling boats in the stand. I think that's what's going on. And I'm clearly uh, goofing off and focused on what's walking out of the wood I was going to
1: say, use that to your advantage. Yes. <laughs> oh, I clearly have.
0: He walks in my house and I have, I have more mounts than he does. So he's catching up.
1: But uh,
0: Katie Flanagan asked, Jen, specifically, I see Jen as a journalist. What's her favorite fishing story that she's covered?
3: Oh, um, probably, well, my absolute favorite was when I wrote about our Ladies Only Marlin U experience. But then probably the next one, I'm all about ladies and kids. I love to see kids catching fish. So there's this young guy named Colby Blackwell, who is a kayak fisherman. Oh, and wow. he ended up finally catching a sword from his kayak. No way. Yeah. Wow. Just recently. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Okay.
0: Mi- at- Michelle. Oh. Sorry.
3: Uh, in alamarada Really? mm mm-hmm. yep. Wow. Michelle
0: Espinosa submitted, is it better to have a vocal captain screaming or a quieter captain during fishing?
1: Screaming's not necessary, but I like to be talked to. And, you know, because it's, you're at an advantage the more communication that goes on the captain who's in the tower has a way better view of what's going on you've got your feel and what you can see but sometimes it's different so communication is huge i love a captain who talks um but screaming is not necessary (laughs) here gets
3: everybody riled up yeah panic
1: (laughs) don't panic (laughs)
0: dad make this short <laughs> someone <laughs> submitted this from the keys clearly it says this isn't a question but tell my favorite story about lexi fishing the poor girls tournament in high school <laughs>
2: <laughs> well so she's in her senior year of high school and i'm trying to keep her disciplined to get to school on time and to do all the right things because she's applying for colleges and stuff like that i was
0: already in college by the way
2: and she goes yeah she was but she goes well, Dad, I'm gonna fish the um the poor girls with with Annie and them on the yabba-dabba. I said no. <laughs> I said you're not missing another day of school. It's to, on a Wednesday to go fishing. I said, what are you gonna do if for some reason you guys you were to win? What am I gonna, what am I gonna tell the front desk people that? Oh, uh, she was sick today when everybody knows everything. She's got it's, sunburn and yeah, allies. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's in the it's in the newspaper. So sure enough, Lexi. She's pretty bullheaded, pretty stubborn. She uh, she went ahead and went fishing, and sure enough, she won. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you get suspended? I, I didn't. It was everything you said it was going to be, though. It was front page of the paper and everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, the parents I told you yeah. so, and you look back, and you're like, oh, they are right. There's no hiding now. No, I just avoided the front desk attendance lady for, like, a good week, <laughs> even though I wasn't the one that said the lie. It was him, so now I know why he was worried, but... um. <laughs> You know, we talk about all these, you know, good days of fishing we've ever had and all these great accomplishments, but a lot happens on the water that can be scary. Like, have you guys ever had anything happen, fishing or mechanical, that was, you know,
3: kind of a a hairy situation? Um, we almost got hit in, well, up north, heading out to go bluefin tuna fishing, uh, one boat thought we were race rock and no matter what we did, no matter what move we made, he was coming right at us and
2: in the fog, right? In
3: the fog, total, total fog out. It's terrifying. It's, it's very terrifying and, and extremely disorienting. So at the last minute we pull back the throttles to hear the, probably something, some like express boat just like whiz right past us. And I remember, get out of the, you know, get those guys out of the beds or nobody's allowed to sleep downstairs anymore. I mean, it was it was scary. And that was before, you know, flare and, and all that fancy stuff, so. Thank God for your technology, right? All yeah, right. now it's lot better. Yeah, no way.
0: Everything we've talked about today, it's all proof, like how far this industry has come and how lucky we are to be a part of it. And everybody, a part of this conversation day sitting in front of me, has a family you know, completely immersed in fishing. So lastly, I wanna know, what is your why? Like,
1: why fishing?
4: Mm. Because fishing is fun, no matter
3: what. I, yeah, like, I like, sorry, f- that's okay. As,
1: as tough as it could be, you know, it's to be out there on the ocean, it, there's no greater Pleasure. You and can't you
2: can't put a value on the days that you have with your friends and family because um you would never you would never take that back. You yeah. can
3: get yeah. an entire group of strangers together on a boat and you fish a day or two, three, four, whatever. By the end of that whole fishing session, you're friends. Absolutely. You're friends. And probably often for life. Yeah, for you life. Know? Right. I mean, it brings people together. It's a You know, the camaraderie, camaraderie, team sport, fun, the freedom. You know, you feel very free on the ocean.
2: Absolutely. If we go back and think about all the years that we went lobstering together because we always did and we did the hog dog. And I mean, those times are invaluable. The pictures that we look back, um, they're just words can't describe how much fun we had those days.
3: Nope. And you'll always have the memory. Yes, I will. I forgot the
0: best question I thought was submitted. It was by Susan McCart. And she gave a really great question. It says, hypothetically speaking, if there were golden rules of team tournament fishing, starting with rule number one, it's all about the bait, rule number two, always trust your captain, what would your rule number three be?
3: Communicate and pay attention. Man your position. Jeff?
2: Oh, I agree with that as well. Both, yes, oh, because oh, oh you well,
0: agree with me in your position. Yes, because <laughs> what wh-
2: wh- what's changed in the tournament fishing these days is uh um, you basically have anglers for each rod, so that the captain or the crew gets upset if you're going to go in and use the restroom. So they almost require you to stay out there all day. So better not drink any water. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got it's just. It's a lot. Co- it's more cohesive if everybody has the job and they do their job. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
3: So, so man your position,
0: um, Dad. Do you want to tell them about my first blue marlin?
2: <laughs>
0: did you man your position or did you man my my position, Rod? Uh,
2: well, I guess it was one of those days that, I, that uh, unfortunately, my enthusiasm because we were in Costa Rica. And we were fishing with Vince Austin, and uh, Vince was very passionate about fishing where we would leave, you know, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. So, we had a pretty good ride out that day, and uh, I told Lexa, I said, it's going to be a good day. I said, don't, uh, I said, be ready when uh, we start putting the lines in the water. I said, because they they might, we might get a bite right then. And uh, sure enough, uh, we just put the lines in the water and stuff like that, and uh, she was a little slow to the draw. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, um, it was maybe, 4 a.m maybe, maybe maybe i did push her out of the way a little bit <laughs> and uh and i went and i i i caught the fish it was a blue marlin and she was so mad that day she's dad i can't believe we came fishing down here and i was gonna catch my first blue marlin and you you stole
3: it stole me out
2: of the way and, and caught it and i go i go don't worry we'll catch another one Sure enough, we did catch another no, one. No, 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 no,
0: no, no, no. We, didn't catch, <laughs> we didn't catch another Blue Marlin that day. It was for season and they're like, hey, be alert. You might get only like one to two shots on Blue Marlin each day. So I spent my spring break of college doing this and going to Costa, which I would not rather be anywhere else. And, you know, sure enough, like you said, he did tell me all that, but- We both were running towards the rod and I was physically pushed. It was, I know it was instinct. It was not malicious, but just physically being pushed out of the way by your father has a feeling that you're just like, you look over like, oh my God, like you can't even control yourself. Like you're that, you're that (laughs) salty. Did you really just
1: do that? Yeah. (laughs) And then,
0: and you could just tell I almost felt bad for him, but no, I was too mad. Uh, He, he, he baited the fish. Sure enough, hooked it. And looks at me and, and goes to hand me the rod. And I was like, oh no, you didn't. No, you did not just petty. Like and like like you know, like it. try to hand me this rod and right. feel bad for me. Give me this sympathy she card. Take it. Oh no, because of course she wouldn't. She, Jeff no. Curry at age like seven cut me off of like hook and hand. So I was like, Oh, really? Now you want a hook and hand? No, he, he knew right away what had happened. We didn't get another shot on a blue marlin all day long. I went home. I don't think I talked to him through dinner. Oh, didn't God. happen. Next morning, same scenario. First shot of the day, I was like at the transom. I think I like slept on the transom on the way out, basically. (laughs) And first shot of the day, luckily, was a blue marlin. I caught it. It was awesome. It was a really young blue marlin, super active, greyhounding all over. It was epic. So he got forgiven. But he was sweating. He thought he was going back to the States with uh, him being the only one catching a blue marlin. That would have been hot water. That would have been bad.
2: (laughs) It would not have been pretty.
0: No. (laughs) But I really hope that everyone listening to this today took something from these professionals. There's so much to learn from Debbie, Jeff, and Jen. And I just want to say thank you so much for letting us into your world and sharing your personal experiences with us. Debbie, tell us how we can book a charter with the LNH. Tell us phone number, any social media accounts. How do yep. we get in trouble with you? So
1: we're on Instagram and Facebook, LNH Sport Uh, Remember Crandon Marina on Key Biscayne. Our website is www.lnhsportfishing.com and our phone number is 305 361 Awesome. And Jen,
0: if someone has something unique that they haven't seen before that they think would be a great feature in Marlin Magazine, um, you, they want to send that your way or if they want to get enrolled
3: in Marlin University, can you tell them how they can reach you? Yeah, sure. Um, go to Marlin or on Instagram, MarlinMag at Marlon mag excuse me you can DM, dm me there and um if i see a great idea and want to roll with it i'll sure let you know if you want to do marlin university it's marlinuniversity.com and there's an email there to connect to jen dudas who will hook you up
0: i'm so excited to research i'm going home tonight and i'm looking at that well website. we'd love to have you <laughs> Although I don't
3: think you need it, but
0: but I count me in. It is
1: fun. It is fun time. (laughs) Where you're going, I'm going.
0: So, Dad, to wrap up, we know you sell boats with HMY. Can you elaborate a little bit on what kind of yachts that you
2: specialize in? Well, I would say the majority of the sales for me are um, sport fishing boats, primarily uh, the Viking yachts, because I work the boat shows in the Viking display. Uh, but I have a uh, tremendous amount of knowledge on all types of boats, and a lot of my clients are referrals to me. That's the best compliment that anybody can get. Uh, I try to make a difference as the salesman, having the knowledge of being a past captain, so that when that uh, client has a problem with his air conditioning or or engines or something, that I can shed some light on them, or at least put the right contact there. uh, So I make the difference between. other fellow salesmen. So,
0: there you have it. Give him a call if you're looking to buy or sell your next boat, or if you just want to chat about suggestions for Lizard Island, which we heard about today. He's also been to you know Mexico, the Bahamas, all over. If you want some tips, if you're taking a fishing trip soon, maybe if you're nice enough, he'll share some fishing numbers with you. No promises, uh, but tell them how they can get a hold of you. What's your cell phone and your email?
2: My cell phone is three zero five. my email is my first initial J last name C-R-E-A-R-Y at H-M-Y dot com and I'm the only Jeff in sales so if you can't remember my name just ask for Jeff in sales and you'll find me
0: All right. well as I told you earlier I put a question on my Instagram please keep submitting funny questions for our guests and tell us who you would like to see on the show next thanks y'all so much for tuning in we'll see you next time thank you thank you
2: thank you